right, guys, what I'd like you to do right now is I'd like, I'd like for you to uh, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Take your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, if you don't have your Bible, that's okay. It's going to be up on the screen. We're going to continue on in Paul's discussion. Really, in the first two chapters, he's been talking to the Thessalonians personally. They were going through some difficult times. They were going through severe persecution. They were enduring, and, but yet they were confused. And so he's writing this letter as an encouragement to them. And we've been going through this first part. We'll get to the teaching part when we get into chapter 4. But we're trying to learn some things from his encouragement to them. And so we've seen, as we've gone through chapter 1 and through the first part of chapter 2, that he's been giving them some guidance concerning different things as a part of their life. Concerning, first of all, their faith what their faith is holding on to, and uh, what they, who they are in Jesus and so forth. Today he's going to talk about the whole issue of enduring, something to endure, okay? And that's what we're going to talk about today, something to endure. And so we're going to focus on 1 Thessalonians verses 13 through verse 20, through the end of the chapter. But let's look at this together. We're going to look at verse 13 through 20. But before we look at it, I'm going to tell you what our message is about today. And why this message is, I think, very important for us. You know, we've entered into really a different time. We've got this COVID thing that seems unreal to us. Because, to be honest with you, Maybe you don't personally know somebody, and the chances are in our community, you don't personally know somebody who's gotten it. And so you have this threat that's going on, and you're like, what is it? Do I believe it? You don't know what to believe when you're on TV, okay? So you got that going on. You also have the economic crisis that's going on that's really causing aggravation. So I don't, I mean, just this week, maybe you're aware of it, there's a coin shortage, Okay? Like you go to the shop and, you're, and they're like, we don't have coins for you. What? Did you know what I'm saying? You've already had to put up with, when this first started happening, not being able to get toilet paper. Then you're told you've got to have hand sanitizer and you can't find that. Then you've got to have disinfectant and Lysol. Can't find that. Did you know what I'm saying? And, and, and then, you know, and, and it's like beef is disappearing. Certain types of beef, pre-made patties are there, but, you know, it, it's just kind of weird. Weird time. How do we adjust to this? This is not normal. And, and we're not used to that because in some ways we have been, let's, can we say this? We've been blessed in many ways. And then all of a sudden a crisis happens. And what do you do? How do you adjust to that? Is there something wrong with me? And, and to be honest with you, I, I hate to say it, in some senses, our Christianity, at least in our nation, we've always had an expectation that everything was going to be okay. Well, things aren't okay. Things are uncertain. You don't know what they mean. I mean, when you look at the news, it's scary. And, and, I'll, I'll, and I'll just say this. 
you should take only little bits of that, not whole gallon jugs full of the news. Why? Because first of all, it's the same thing over and over again, and it's negative, and that affects you. Do you understand what I'm saying? It affects you. All right? So we know we're in a crisis. We know we're doing this. But continually intaking that affects you negatively. So here you are. You're like wondering, what's going on? Where am I at in my relationship with Jesus? Shouldn't things be better? And so you try to go to the Scripture to try to explain it. And what we're going to see is that the difficulties of life are that. The difficulties of life. And that what we see in Scripture is that they're normal. You mean this stuff that's going on is normal? Now, I'm not saying that a pandemic is normal. But pandemics are part of life. Struggles are part of life. And nobody is exempt from them here, let alone a Christian. Sometimes we get the assumption that when we come to Jesus that everything's going to be okay. That's not true. Life still happens. The only difference is now that as a believer, you have something to hold on to in the midst of what's going on. Because the scripture makes it very clear. It rains on everybody. The just and the unjust. The sun shines on everybody. The just and the unjust. The pandemics happen on everybody. The just and the unjust. Do you you understand what I'm saying? We're not exempted from this. But what we're called to do is endure. Because this is life. But you now have something that you can endure with. And that's what we're going to see here Paul talking to these Thessalonians about. And I want to point out some things to you. So let's look together. Look with me. If, you're, if you need to, you can look on the screen. We're going to look at verses 13 through 20. Paul writes this. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. Because you, when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans, who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us, And they did not please God and are contrary to all men. Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved, so so as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? 
Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Now here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take these verses, we're going to talk about this whole issue of enduring, and we're going to divide it into two foundations, okay? Two sections, okay? We're going to see, first of all, the first part, which is verse 13, He's going to give you a foundation. He's going to talk about the foundation that was existing in the Thessalonians' lives. It's the same foundation, spiritual foundation, that has to exist in your life. Because if you're going to endure whatever life throws at you, okay, and life's going to throw stuff at you, out of nowhere, it doesn't have to be the stuff that we're all facing right now. But you yourself have different things that are going on in your life. There's family issues, there's work issues, there's financial issues. There's people who are, who are in your life that are not happy about your faith and they express that in whatever way. You've got all this stuff going on and you're wondering, how am I going to get through that? You've got to have a foundation to rest your hope on. You've got to have something to carry you through. So that's what we're going to see in verse 13. Then when we get to the, the issue of verse 14 through 20, we're going to see the path of suffering. And I'm just going to tell you this right off the bat if you want to write this down. The Christian life is to be lived on a path of suffering. Just being honest with you. You have to go through a path of suffering. The scripture assumes that. Think about David, Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the what? The valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Throughout scripture, it's telling you that suffering is a part of your life. Every New Testament book tells you you're going to suffer. Jesus tells you you're going to suffer. Now, I know the guy on TV says, if you have enough faith, you're not going to have that happen. That's not true. If you look at their lives, they suffer as well. They just don't admit it because admitting it would keep people from giving them money. The reality is, is that all of us, all of us have to suffer. And so we're going to see that. But you've got to have that foundation first. So let's talk about that foundation. If you and I are going to get through the difficult struggles, if we're going to endure, all right, if we're going to endure, and by the way, can I give you a promise? What kind of promise, George? Well, when you go to Revelation and you go to chapters 2 and 3, you'll see the seven letters to the seven churches. And after he says something to each one of those seven churches, he gives a promise to each one of them. It's a promise to each one of us. He gives seven promises to those who overcome. What do you mean over, overcome what, George? Overcome the struggles and the difficulties that we face in this life. There's a promise for you and I. So hang in there. That's the whole point of Scripture. Hang in there. Hold on to your faith. Hold on to your trust in Jesus, okay? So here's the spiritual foundation. Look with me, verse 13. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, 
because you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. All right, so I'm going to point out three things here that are key for this foundational thing for you and I. Okay, here's the first one. They recognized that the gospel was not simply the word of men. They recognized that the gospel was not simply the word of men. So what they're recognizing here is this. They're recognizing that when that gospel, the message of Jesus, because that's what the gospel is, it's good news. And the gospel isn't prayer, prayer, and you'll be saved. That's not the gospel. That's somebody's shrinking down the gospel to try to present that. The gospel is Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the salvation that comes through believing in Jesus Christ. They recognize that when that message was presented to them, in whatever means, it wasn't just the message of men. It was the message of God for them. Do you understand? It was the message of life. So you think back to the moment when you came to a conclusion of who Jesus is and you accepted him in your life, as some people would say, or you trusted in him or you gave your life to him. You think back to that moment. At that moment when you heard the gospel, something opened up in your mind. Something opened up in your heart so that you said, I need that. I need you, Jesus. And you gave your life to him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of you can think back. Some of you are like, boy, that's been a long time ago. I understand. But some of you can think, I can think back 30-some years ago in my room in Columbia, South Carolina on Green Springs Drive in my mom and dad's house when I was reading the Gospel of John, I got down on my knees. Something opened up in my mind where I recognized who he was and I wanted to follow him because it wasn't just the words of men. In fact, let's be honest. When you think about the Gospel, that somebody would be taken and executed on a cross, buried, raised again on the third day, having, quote, our sin, all the bad things that you and I have ever done placed on him, giving us new life. That really sounds, in human terms, ridiculous. In fact, that's what some people think. It's like, why would you believe that? In fact, that's kind of like what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians. Look with me. It's, it's going to be up on the screen for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 to 25. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to the saved, the, to, to, preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. 
But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. God used something so foolish, something so outrageous, as a means of salvation. And so he's saying, for that foundation in their life, they recognized that that message wasn't for men. Because men wouldn't even come up with that. Here's the second thing he says. They recognized the gospel as truth. They recognized it as truth. That here we are, humanity... In our lost state, humanity basically desperate, not knowing what to do. No matter all of our efforts, what we, you know, we, you know, you and I sin. Let's just be honest. We sin. We do wrong things, right? Everybody agree with that? Okay. Have you figured out how to clean that up yet? I mean, let's be honest. When you do wrong things, first of all, there's the consequences of the wrong things. You can't clean up all those consequences, right? Let alone the guilt and the shame that you carry. Now, some people try to deal with that through different means. But they still can't get rid of that, right? It's always there. And here you are, even as a believer, you know that from your personal life. Even though you know Jesus and you know you're forgiven, you're still haunted by it, right? But you at least have the hope of knowing that it's taken care of and it's not going to haunt you anymore when you go to be with him, right? So here you are in this world, you know that there's nothing that we can do to get rid of the junk that we've done wrong. But here comes someone, here comes God himself, he sends his own son And he gets rid of it for us. And he gives you hope. And he gives you peace. And you recognize this is truth. It's not the words of men. It's truth. Okay? So here's the foundation. The foundation in your life is as you are going through the stuff you're going through, you're holding on to something. You're holding on to a hope that's not just the words of men. That's not just something George taught you. This is truth. It's from God. And then he goes one step further to help you to understand that it's not just simple belief, okay? It's not just simple belief. Look at the last part of verse 13 there. He says this. But as truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. He's saying that that message that you believe, that truth, that word of God that you recognize is not the, the word of man, but that it's truth, it's from God, it's for you, is even now working in your life. So here's the third point I want you to see. The gospel works effectively in believers now. And you know that, right? Because you're seeing it on a daily basis. 
that that message of salvation, that, that hope that you have grasped a hold of, that, that belief because of the word of God that has come to you, it is working on you every day because it's changing you. It's strengthening you. It's affecting you daily. Did you understand? And, and, then, and you recognize that. And it's, it's continually working in you, right? In fact, isn't that what the testimony of Scripture is throughout all the other epistles? Paul has this confidence that he who has begun a good work will continue it. Until when? Until you go to be with Jesus? You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm 54. I got saved when I was 20. 34 years ago? Well, 36 years ago. I was 19, actually. 36 years ago, I can tell you right now, the journey has been continual change in my life as God has wrought it in my life. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? It's the gospel working in my life. It's not because I conform myself to a bunch of rules. It's because of what God was changing in my character and who I am. See, that's the foundation. The foundation is... When you look at the stuff that we're going through and we're going to go through, what do you mean the stuff that we're going to go through? Hey, have you not lived long enough to know? Maybe you got a breather this week, but something's coming around the corner. There is, right? He gives you strength to endure. He gives you, you have a foundation of hope with him. And you got to rest in that. See, this is what he's doing here in verse 13. He's remembering, and notice what he says. I think this is awesome. He said, for this reason, we thank God without ceasing. He is continually thankful for them because he recognizes they grasp the hold of the truth. They're holding on to the gospel. It's working in their life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in their life. Isn't that awesome? That's the foundation for them as they endure. Well, then he goes on in verse 14 through 20, and he talks about the path of suffering. And let's be honest. We're all on that path. Now, it's going to be a little bit different for each one of us, but we're all on that path. And, and I think it would behoove all of us to begin to develop our own theology of suffering. See, a lot of us haven't been taught a theology of suffering. We've been taught, if you accept Jesus, everything's going to be okay. Well, yeah, yeah, it's going to be okay, but that's not the full truth. And you and I know that. I mean, think about it. I, I came to the Christ in 1985, April of 1985. Nobody told me when I came to Christ in 1985 that in September of 1986, my dad would be murdered and I would have to deal with that. Nobody told me that. Nobody told me in January of 1986 that I'd have to leave my home and go do whatever I had to do. Nobody told me that. Nobody told me all the endless other stuff that would happen over the next 30-some years. It's, you say, well, that's just your story. Yeah, what's it in your life? Nobody told you that the moment you got saved that this crisis was going to happen, that this loved one was going to die, that this was going to happen, that this was going to happen, and, this, and, and Jesus carried you through it, right? 
The doctor telling you this and this happening and this. Nobody told you that. See, each of us have our own paths of suffering that we have to go through, right? But here's some things I want you to see, okay? Five things, all right? Here they are. Number one, here's what he says, verse 14. You got to grasp this. You're going to develop your, your personal theology of suffering. Here's the first one, verse 14, okay? For you, brethren, became imitators of the church of God, which, is, which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from them, from, their own country, from your own countrymen as they did from the Judeans. Okay, here's what I want you to see. Here's the first point I want you to see. Suffering for your faith is universal and normal. Suffering for your faith is universal and normal. Now, here's what he says to them. I... I sometimes wonder about the words Paul chooses, but he's choosing these words. He says to them, you became imitators of the churches in Judea. Wow, so they're following the example. But then you look at what the example is, you're suffering just like they're suffering. What's his point? Oh, I want to be like them. How can I get beat up on? No, that's not his point. The point is, you're going through the same things they are. Because number one, suffering is universal. Remember, I already mentioned that to you. Rains on everyone, the just and the unjust. What? Sun shines on the just and the unjust. Everyone faces difficulties. And when you talk about suffering for your faith... That's universal. And here's the second one. It's normal. Now, why did I have to put normal down? Because here's the thing with some of us. You ever been this way? I get this way. Things are going along okay for whatever short period of time they are. Then all of a sudden, boom, something happens. And you're like, why is this happening? All this, God, what did I do? You know, you, know, you know what I'm saying? You, you say the same thing. What did I do? Why is this happening? Is there sin in my life? And you do the whole sin checklist thing. You ever do the whole sin checklist thing? You're like going through all this. You know, I confess that one to you, Lord. Why is this happening? Okay, when you get done with that, then it's like, I must not be normal. Where did that come from? I tell you, it didn't come from the Bible. It came because you listened to somebody else tell you that Christians aren't supposed to have problems. Christians aren't supposed to suffer. Christians aren't supposed to go through difficult times. In fact, we think it's a right to not go through difficult times. First of all, you don't have that right as a believer. What he's telling us here is, is you became imitators of the churches in Judea who suffered the same thing as well. Why? Because it's universal and number two, it's normal. It's normal to have people not like your Jesus. Do you understand me? It's normal when you tell them, I'm a believer and I trust in Jesus and I go to church. It's normal for people to react negatively. You need to understand that. 
It's normal to go through the difficult struggles. That's the path of suffering. You and I need to understand that. Quit thinking it's abnormal. Quit thinking there's something wrong with you. In fact, the implication of Scripture is if, if there's nothing wrong going on, there's something wrong going on with you. Did you hear me? We're going to see that in a moment, why that's true. Did you hear me? You may want to write that down. If there's nothing going wrong, there's something wrong. That's your, that's your phrase for the week, right? If there's nothing wrong going on, there's something wrong. Because if you're a believer, it's universal and it's normal. Okay? So here you'll see why in a moment, why I'll, I'll prove what I'm saying here in a moment. Okay? Because you've got to remember something. All right? Here's the second thing he points out. Look with me. First of all, next thing I want you to see from verse 14 is this. You will endure suffering from those around you. You will endure suffering from those around you. I, I think there's, you know what, we, we live in a culture right now. Uh, I see it in some churches. It's, it's a tempting thing. Sometimes I'm tempted by it. Sometimes we as a church can be tempted by it. Into thinking that we need to do things in order to be liked by everyone. Well, the problem is, you're never going to be liked by everyone. Does everybody understand that? I mean, first of all, that's, that's uh, humanity 101. That's the lesson of humanity, right? Everybody, you ever, ever go to a job and you're like, oh, I want to make friends with everybody, and then you meet some guy, and he just, for some reason, doesn't take to you, doesn't like your face, doesn't like your hairdo, doesn't like your voice, and you, you can't even, and you're like, what's going on here? Well, the fact is, that's humanity. You're never going to get everybody to like you. And the fact of the matter is, is you will endure suffering from people who are around you. I will never forget it. First church, we're in Canada. We're in a church plant. We live on this uh, street in our first house there in uh, Angus. And, uh, you know, we had, at that point, we had Madison. She was really small, toddler. I don't know that Foster was even born. I know Lori was probably carrying Foster. We get these neighbors that move in next door. And, and we want to do the friendly thing. Okay, the friendly thing is... Meet the neighbors, you know, meet the neighbors. You got to meet the neighbors, okay? So the guy's outside. I go outside, and he's like, hey, how are you? My name's so-and-so. I forget what his name was. It doesn't matter what his name is now. Uh, who are you? My name's George. Hi, George. Uh, what do you do, George? I'm a pastor here in town. conversation changed it ended and he never spoke to me again in fact we had an IGA in our town there and I remember one time being at the checkout counter I'm up next he ends up because it's the only line open behind me I said hi neighbor he never talked to me now first of all I've never met him before all I did was, is I told him, 
that I was a pastor. What's going on there, George? Well, something happened in that dude's life. Had to have been, right? See, you're never going to, you understand, when you, especially, we need to wake up, church. Nobody's, every, not everybody's going to like your Christianity. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? And you will endure suffering. And, and what you mean, was that suffering, George? Well, yeah, it's its own form of persecution. It's called isolation, isn't it? It's called rejection. How many of you like to be rejected? I want to be rejected. Nobody. We don't like that, right? See, that's the next thing. Number one, it's universal and normal. Number two, you will endure suffering from those around you. Who around you? It can be your neighbor that moves in, like I just said, somebody at work, somebody at Walmart. Here's the one that really hurts your own family, right? Your own family, the people you love. Here's the third thing I want you to see about this path of suffering. We see, look with me at verse 15 now. He says this, who killed both the Lord Jesus and their prophets and have persecuted us. They do not please God and are contrary to all men. Here he's talking about what the churches of Judea were doing, were facing, and why they were facing it from their own countrymen, it's kind of the same thing that we see happening around us even now. The, the, the basis for the opposition is the hatred of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you something? You need to understand this. The reason why people don't like Jesus Is not because he's not a nice guy. You can't help but read. The, you can't help but read the Gospels and fall in love with Jesus, right? You can't help but read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and just fall in love with Jesus. And it's like, man, he is an awesome. He's not some religious wag your finger at. I mean, he is awesome, right? I mean, you can't help but love Jesus. But okay, well then, what's the problem? Why don't people love Jesus? I'll tell you why they don't love Jesus because of what Jesus stands for. And that's because people don't want to have to answer to anybody. When you recognize who Jesus is, you recognize you have to answer to somebody, right? You have to answer to who? God. And people don't want to answer to God. And so they reject it. We say, well, George, I'm not even telling people, you know, I, I know there's some Christians out there that are telling people how they should live and how they're doing this. And yeah, I can understand why people are mad at them, but I'm not doing that. I'm just telling them about Jesus and, and they're mad at me. Look, they're mad at you because they don't want Jesus. They don't want what Jesus stands for. They don't want to have to answer to a God. Do you understand? And so that's the next part of this, this whole issue of the pathway of suffering is, is that the opposition that's out there is because they hate Jesus. You need to understand that. How's that possible, George? Well, if you come over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul tells them that our gospel, that is the message of hope, is people aren't accepting it because 
It's not because it's hidden from them. He said, but what? The God of this age. Who's that? Satan. Has blinded their eyes to the truth. They can't see it. They just want to reject it. We're going to talk about him in a little bit, okay? Because that's the last part of our pathway of suffering you need to understand, okay? All right, look with me at verse 16. Not only do they not like Jesus, look at what else they did, and this is something that you see happening all around you even now today. Here it is. Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. Here's what I want you to see. Their opposition to sharing the gospel will bring judgment. So again, let me just tell you, nobody, can I be honest with you, you've got the greatest message in the world, salvation through Jesus Christ who brings forgiveness. Have you noticed that there are people who don't want to hear that? Have you ever been told, I have been told many times, don't bother me with that, quit telling me that, don't say that in this house again. You ever had that happen? I've had that happen. That's the opposition. And that's what you and I are called to endure. And I'm going to tell you right now, it hurts when it comes from the people you love. Do you understand me? It hurts when it comes from the people you love. Because you know that that message, that gospel, remember that's the foundation that we're enduring on. That message isn't message from men, it's from God. And it changes you. And you know that if they understood that message, it will change them. But you're told to not share it anymore. That's part of the suffering thing, right? Man, we're seeing that played out even on your TVs. Let's go on. Verse 18 kind of brings us down to the final thing. Why is this all happening? Why is this all happening? Here's what you need to understand. If you're going to understand the pathway of suffering, here it is. The source of the opposition is Satan. Look at what he says here, verse 18. He's talking about his desire to want to come see them. Oh, he tried many times to come see them. Many times to come see them. And look with me at verse 18. He says, therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again. But Satan hindered us. All right, let me just stop for a moment. Have you ever, I mean, I've, I get to this sometimes. You're like, you're interacting with people, and, and the, the, the message is there, your life is there, and it's like, why can't they see it? Have you ever been that way? Talk to a loved one. I mean, it is very clear, it's there, and they, are, they cannot see it. In fact, you, it's almost like, in fact, at first you were like, man, I'm not saying it the right way, or I'm not answering the right questions, or I'm not doing, and, and the reality is, is that, no, it's not you. It's not you. Can I tell you that right now? If you need to, write that down. It's not you. It's because they can't see it. 
And the reason why they can't see it is because they're blinded. Blinded by what, George? Blinded by the enemy. Satan, and he's real. And the source of the difficulties in your life is Satan. All you got to do, here, you know what? The greatest book on suffering is Job. I would encourage you to read it. Job's an interesting guy. You got to read Job. Job is Job goes through some difficult times. He has his friends show up. How about these kind of friends? The reason why you're going through that is because of you. Boy, do you need encouragement from people like that. You know what I'm saying? Well, here's the thing. First two chapters of Job, you see this heavenly conversation that Job's not even aware of between Satan and the Lord. And the Lord says, hey, have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him. Boy, Job is a great guy, isn't it? Loves me. Satan says, if you let me touch him, he'll curse you. God says, okay. Take all his stuff. Just don't touch his life. So what happens? He gets into financial ruin, loses all of his kids. Chapter 2. Have you considered my servant Job? It's not like him. You know what? It's because you're protecting him. Okay. Touch his body. Just don't kill him. It covers him with boils, with suffering. What's going on? You and I live in a spiritual world that we're not even aware of. You need to understand that because you and I are in a pathway of suffering. Now, how do you get through that? Let me, let me just say this. How do you and I get through that? Because, remember, it's all, it's universal it's normal. How do we get through that? Go back to verse 13. We have our hope in a person. That's what the message is about, right? That's what the word of God is about. It's about a person. Who's the person? Jesus. What do we know about that person? He died on the cross. He didn't just give us forgiveness, folks. He didn't just give you somewhere later, by and by. He gave you victory now over who? Satan. That's what gets you through it. So some of you right now, you're in the midst of it and you want to throw in the towel. Don't. Endure. Well, I don't know when this is going to end, George. Hello? Neither do I. Here's two things to think about, okay? Here they are, okay? Number one, your continual endurance has to rest on something sure. Your continual endurance has to rest on something sure. Listen, it can't be your bank account, okay? Well, I'm going to rest on my IRA or my 401k. Okay, great, wonderful. You just saw that go into the tank 50% here in the last couple of months, didn't you? 
I'm going to rest on my brain power. Yeah, you got everything figured out. Can you figure this one out? No. We got educated people that can't figure this out, right? Your endurance isn't based on you. It's got to be put on something else. That's the foundation, right? Jesus. Your continual endurance has to rest on something sure. Here's the second thing. Make every effort to solidify your relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, what are you talking about now, George? Well, look, if I'm going to get through it, how I'm going to get through it is I got to rest it on Jesus. But how I'm going to rest it on Jesus is I got to make sure that I've got my relationship with Jesus, which means what? You got to spend time with him. And your faith will only increase as you spend time with him because you know that when you're going through it, I know I can rest in him. Today in Sunday school, if you you haven't watched it yet, I encourage you to watch it. David is at Ziglag and he goes back to Ziglag and he finds that the place is burnt down and his wives are gone and everyone's wives and children, everything's gone. And they're talking about stoning him. And then it says, verse six, but he found his strength in the Lord. He strengthened himself in the Lord. What does that mean? He found it, he was able to endure because he had a relationship with who, folks? God with Jesus. Do you understand? Listen. We have to endure. And the only way we're going to do that is with who, folks? Jesus. That's what we need to grasp. Let me pray for you.